welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Well, good morning again. Welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. Very excited to have you here today. My name is uh, Father Ryan Betley, and I am one of the pastors here at our church. And uh, we're really excited to be in this new space and to be exploring exploring the book of Hebrews together, uh, as we have for the last two weeks. So we'll be in that text together today, if you'd like to turn there in your Bibles. especially to uh, our passage from today, verses uh, 11, starting uh, chapter 5, verse 11, all the way to chapter 6, verse 12. If you will, join with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time and the space you have given us to worship you and come to your word. May we hunger and thirst for you, Lord Jesus, our God and our King. Bless the thoughts of my heart and the words of my mouth. May they be acceptable to you, almighty God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love birthday cake. I I don't know very many people who don't. Um, I actually prefer a good pie on my birthday, but my my wife um, loves birthday cake especially. Um, and, and I do too, I just prefer pie. I didn't realize that everyone else in the universe apparently loves birthday cake on their birthday. Um, and I made the mistake of getting her cupcakes the first year we were married, uh, thinking what a, what a delicious uh, and, and uh, wonderful gift your first year of marriage, your husband gets you this collection of, of cupcakes and uh, Let's just say it wasn't what she expected or wanted, and she made that very clear to me uh, that oh, it's, it's a birthday, you get a birthday cake on a birthday. And it's okay, I, I get it, that's all well and good. So um, I've, I've followed through each year, uh, and this past year, just uh, about a month ago, she said it was, I, I'm, I'm getting better and better each year. Uh, and it was the best, it was a, a red velvet, a 12 inch cake. Uh, it was the medium size, but apparently it served about 25 people. Uh, they had a choice of a double-decker or a triple-decker. And I def- the triple-decker thinking, well, it's, it's, it's the medium size, so certainly it must be, uh, must be a reasonable size for a couple of people to enjoy a few times. Lo and behold, again, 25 to 30 people servings. They really should put the warning how many people it serves on there. But nonetheless... My, um, we had a lot of birthday cake left over. We still have it, and it's in the freezer, so it's still good. If you want to come over, you can enjoy this delicious red velvet cake with, with us. Um, I actually really enjoyed it a bit too much at first. Um, the first two days, I had four, diff- four servings, and, um, and I actually I, I realized the, my mistake pretty quickly thereafter. Um, I play basketball uh, a few mornings each week with some friends, 
and I, I went to play basketball, and, and usually, you know, I'm not, I'm not really good at basketball, I just do it because it's fun, and I, I enjoy the camaraderie and, and the competition, uh, but suddenly, where usually after about 30 minutes, I, I, I feel tired, but I still have a spring in my step, suddenly, I didn't. I, after 15 minutes, I was wiped out. My energy levels shrank. I was totally exhausted. I was uh, trying to drink water. I was trying to recover, and there was nothing. And I realized, oh, that's because I ate four pieces of birthday cake in the last two days. And, and really, at one point, I probably replaced lunch with the birthday cake. And let's just say I didn't have a proper diet uh, during that week. Um, but man, it was really good birthday cake, like I said. So um, again, you're welcome to come and, and, and enjoy it because there is still some left. The, uh, the, the interesting reality that I faced pretty quickly was the sluggishness of my own body and the, the limitations of my body due to what I was putting in it. It's, it's exactly what the author of Hebrews is driving at here in our passage today. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting passage in the sense that he's pointing not to a physical diet, a physical intake of food, but to a spiritual food. A spiritual food that we're, we're the food that we're meant to, to imbibe, we're meant to enjoy, that we're meant to take in to lead us to maturity. It, it, it's, a, it's a food that... Well, it, it takes time, and it takes, it takes a lot of discipline, and it takes a lot of discernment to be able to even know what that food is and, and how to enjoy it and pursue it in the way that God means for us as Christian people to, to pursue it. And the author of Hebrews, um, in, in this passage, I see three things that he's, he's calling us to do as Christian people as, as the church, as we pursue this heavenly food, this spiritual food of righteousness. And that's what he, um, these three things are, he calls us to hunger for it, to hone our, our desire for it, and to hope after that heavenly kingdom, that, that goodness that we have. By faith, hope, and love. And what, what I want to do today is just look at those three, uh, those three pieces uh, going through this passage and, and figure out, one, what is that heavenly food? And, and two, how can we pursue these three uh, ends that the author's calling us to? So looking first at verses 11 through 14, uh, we, we're, we're taught to hunger to desire after this heavenly food. So again, we, we have this, uh, the, the author of Hebrews is giving us this challenge, a challenge to the church, really just rebuking our sloth, it, calling us, calling the church to, uh, to overcome this dull sensibility, their sluggishness. They, they need milk, of course, they need that nourishment that they have as, as babies and infants. Just as, just as a baby is nourished off of, off of milk, so our spirituality is initially 
is, is nourished by, by spiritual milk, the basic teachings and the, and the principles of the Christian faith. But these sluggish ones, these dull ones, they're not understanding the teaching that the, that the Hebrew authors, the author of Hebrews is really trying to get at for them. Okay, he's teaching about a really complex subject, one so complex I'm not even going to mention it because Father Morgan's dealing with it next week, and I, I, he mentioned it last week, and I don't, don't feel equipped to teach it because it really is really hard to understand. So um, I'll let him deal with the priesthood of Melchizedek uh, next week. But for now, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll dive more into this idea of this, these sluggish ones. They're, they're just not getting it. They're not able even. They should. They've had enough time. But they're sluggish. They're, they're children still. They're babies. And they still imbibe the spiritual milk. They're still searching for that spiritual milk rather than moving on to spiritual solid foods. Their sluggishness is not because they, they had been bad Sunday school students or, or that they had not memorized enough of the Torah to qualify as a top student in their class. No, the author's target, it's related to their appetites. It's related to their appetite. The spiritual infants, they never hungered after God's word and presence properly. Nor did they properly pursue his heavenly nourishment in their lives, despite having much time to entrust themselves over and over to God and pursue his Holy Spirit in the way God means for them to. If we're honest with ourselves, this is how we operate in our spiritual lives. You know, we feed off of spiritual milk of Christ rather than offer, offer the solid foods that he offers out to us, preferring the comfort of familiar feed that memory of, of, of what's comfortable for us rather than stepping out into what's challenging when God pursues our heart, when God pursues a more deep and intimate experience with him. Asking God into our lives some months and years ago, we, we remember that, but in, instead of confronting the challenge of asking God into our lives each minute, each hour, each day, each week, each year, pursuing depth of intimacy, of fellowship with the Spirit, and feeding off of His grace and mercy towards us in Christ. So that's the challenge. That's the challenge that, that the author is holding out to us in these first four verses, calling us to hunger, to truly have an appetite for God's word. As a note, again, what, what is God's word? We're not talking just about the Bible here. This passage repeatedly talks about the oracles of God, about, about the, about the um, basic principles and the uh, promises. And each of these is pointing to this same idea that yes, of course, the Bible is God's word to us in Christ. But so, in the same way, God's word, as John puts it in the Gospel of John, is Christ himself. His, the very image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, the word made flesh who dwells among us. 
the Christ, who gives us his spirit even today to indwell us and to move us and to inspire us to worship him and pursue him with this hunger, with this appetite. And so we go forward in our passage to learn that we're also meant to hone this, if you will, to till the very ground from which we will harvest that heavenly food that we're meant to enjoy. How can we hone our spiritual appetites in this way the author calls us to? Well, we, we see in verse six, verse one of, of chapter six, that it says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. So there's a sense in which it's a decision. Let's leave that. We, we, we have the hunger, or we at least hunger after the hunger, even if we're not hungering fully for it today. We, we want to be able to develop these spiritual hungers, these desires for God. We desire to desire more of him. So let us leave that. There's, there's a, a concerted decision, an action in this verse calling us to, to uh, not quench the spirit that's calling us and moving us to maturity, to not break our, ourselves off from the fellowship of the spirit, but to pursue it more intently and to carry out both the works of devotion and the works of loving service. He's calling us to in his name. And so we see moving on in verses four through eight, they, they act as a really intense and startling warning to those faithful to God who remain faithful, but have a hard time pursuing this faithfulness in the manner that he's calling to, in the manner that uh, the author characterizes as maturity. The author's words echo those of the Torah, the psalmists, the prophets, whose warnings to the people were often overlooked. And we see in this passage that those often, uh, those often looked at words of, of a blessing, but also of curse. Both blessing and curse. In verse 7 and 8, it says, For the land has drunk the, land, the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed. And its end is to be burned. This curse echoes the curse from Genesis 3 to Adam. The curse of Adam, including removal from that promised land flowing with milk and honey, abundant food to eat because Adam and Eve desired to eat of one fruit from which they were forbidden. It echoes the curse of the covenant in Deuteronomy 29, the curse of the Israelites, the, the curse that they would incur if they did not continue to follow faithfully to pursue the blessing God had promised them as they enter into the land. 
And it echoes the words of Isaiah 5, where he says, among other things, I will make it a wasteland. It shall be, not be pruned or hoed, and the briars and the thorns and the thistles shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they not rain upon it. In Jeremiah 44, the Lord could not no longer bear your evil deeds and the abominations that you have committed. Therefore, your land has become a desolation, a wasteland, and a curse. So this is the call today. That's that stark warning that the, that the author is giving to apostasy. Not just to those who never enjoyed the heavenly food, but in fact, those especially who, who have enjoyed it, who have heard the word, who have seen the good works that God has done in their midst and yet reject that call to press into true maturity, to, to grow their hunger, to hone their spiritual discernment, and to live into the life God has called them to in Christ Jesus. This is the same thing that the author urges us to today as he's calling us into our in our lives, even right now where we sit. Do not wait until tomorrow to, to stop eating of what you ought not be eating, but to eat of the flesh of the son Jesus, to enjoy the grace that he abundantly pours out to you. The, the true spiritual and heavenly food that he gives to you by his love and has given to you each and every day that you enjoy by faith in him. And this is the calling. This, this is the true warning. This is the true caution of this passage. You who sit here today, I, I, I have to tell you, if if this is your first time ever in a church, which I'm assuming that's not true of most of you, but if it is, this is you're entering into it. You've now heard of the oracles of which the author speaks. So this is both an exciting adventure into which you're called, and an exciting life of maturity in Christ, and yet it's also a warning that you need to continue to walk in the ways that he's calling you to. To put off that spiritual immaturity that we're constantly tempted into, into a life of true spiritual maturity. So how do we how do we do that? Again, we're leaving the life of spiritual milk and we're pursuing the true food of Christ. In verses 9 through 12, it offers us a clear hope. How do we hope? How do we continue to hone and continue to deepen and continue to pursue this life of spiritual maturity until the end when it's hard, when it's a slog, when you feel more sluggish than energized and excited in the Spirit's presence? Well, the author demonstrates in this passage a confidence that his listeners are truly among those 
who are, are, are people of salvation. He, he says, I, I've seen it. You know, I've seen it in your lives. I've seen the way that you love one another. I, I can testify for uh, several of you at least one instance uh, yesterday morning where I saw you loving one another. Uh, we were picking apples in a, in a farm up in, up in, uh, in Poolsville, Maryland yesterday. Uh, several of us uh, and a few of you who are here today. And it was a delightful, uh, enjoyable time of fellowship and, uh, and, and true Christian charity. But it was honestly, let, let's be honest, it was really just my time of carrying around my, my bushel basket and allowing the, the Laoshkin children to fill it up time and time again with, with apples that I, 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 I didn't really want them. Are they here? Yeah. I did want them. I, I, thank you. A blessing. Yeah. I didn't really want them. I'm going to be honest. What am I going to do with a bushel of apples? I spent $40 on apples yesterday. I have no idea what I'm going to do with them. They're sitting in my kitchen as we speak. And, and uh, so, I'm, lots of applesauce coming. And, and yet, what that time was really about, it was about the joy, not of, of thinking and dreaming of what I'm going to do with these abundant apples, but of thinking and dreaming of what God is going to do with us, with our journey together, with this church, with these relationships that he's binding together, that he's calling us into Church planting is, is a hard endeavor at times. At times it's sort of, uh, we, can, we can be tempted to, to look around and say, well, uh, this, this doesn't have uh, all of the, uh, the trimmings and the trappings that I am used to or that I need or that I want. And it sounds really hard to have to keep setting things up and tearing them down and then you know, not knowing where we're going to be uh, worshiping day in and day out. And yet, here we are, by God's faithfulness, let alone his faithfulness in a church plant that, that was online for over a year. This is, this is the, the, the slog, if you will. This is the sluggish, the temptation for us in suffering and in sacrifice to say, wouldn't it be easier to just uh, go somewhere else? Of course, each and every one of us, if we're honest with our hearts, would, would say that about an adventure like this. And yet what the, what the, uh, what the, Hebrew, uh, what the author of Hebrews is pointing to in that example alone is saying, continue forward in your calling. Continue to pursue the spirit in the hope that you have. That this is a calling, that church planting is a, is a calling, and that that suffering is something to which we're called to enjoy his presence and to, to lay that, that new foundation of what will be even generations from now in this congregation. Our lives are, are meant to define and demonstrate our sure hope in Christ. So, to, to so labor in tilling the fields of fellowship with God that his love overflows in us so that we can keep going and keep harvesting the good fruits of love and building up and encouraging his church to keep going, to keep 
eating of the true food he has given us. I think of one specific example of, of how this applies to us in our, in our hearts, in our internal lives. Before, before we continue with our worship and, and we invite you to, to come and eat literally of, of Christ and his sacrifice and death and celebrating once again the sacrifice of praise to him in the Eucharist. This idea of um, what I want to think about for us and just reflecting on this is this idea of, um, of how this applies in our own hearts. This idea of forgiveness and um, it, it can be hard to have fellowship with one another in a church or in your workplace, in your families, uh, perhaps with your children or, with your, or for children with your parents. Wherever relationships that you have, those thorns and thistles are no metaphorical reality, but they are true and they are real and they are deep and they're, they, they hurt when they come up through the ground that's meant, that's meant to be harvesting fruits uh, different than that. But when, when, what we're tempted to do when we, when we see the thorns and the, thistle, the thistles growing up from the ground in our relationships, in the people with, uh, between the people in our lives, when we experience that dissension that we have with people, we, we're tempted uh, to, to bitterness, to anger, and to, uh, to, to frustration, perhaps even uh, to, to grief and to, uh, to truly uh, be tempted even to um, be so forlorn that we, we no longer trust in God's call for redemption and rest and salvation. We dine on the dead ideas and imbibe bitterness in our souls rather than a daily diet of his heavenly delights. We feed off of the, the strife inside with, with adrenaline and anger internally instead of feeding off of the crucified Christ. I know this is how I am when, when something is amiss in relationships where someone has, has truly hurt me or when, or when two people have, um, when I have truly hurt someone else. And usually it's the same way. It's, I, I have the, a tendency to spin around in that place and allow that to fuel me day in and day out rather, rather than giving it over to God and entrusting that to him. We prefer, we prefer that familiar, that familiarity and, and seemingly comfort of that bitterness to, to continue to fuel us. And yet, uh, and we save, rather than savoring the flavor of peace that comes with pursuing forgiveness and reconciliation, or at, or at the very least healing from from that bitterness and anger in our hearts. This is just one small example of, of, of how, we, uh, how this applies to our lives, of how we're meant to let go of that spiritual immaturity and strive towards a spiritual maturity that is constantly renewed 
in Christ's love and his presence, in the true hope that he offers us as we apply these matters by faith in our lives. And so I implore you, as we come forward, as we come forward today, I, I, I want to encourage you in our, in our worship to, to keep going, just as the author encourages us to keep going towards maturity. And just as Paul, in his letters, says to, to, to let go of what is behind, but to strive, to hone, to press into hope and to hunger after God's goodness and his loving kindness with you today. Regardless of what you bring in, may that be your stance in your heart today. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for giving us the chance to be together. Lord, have mercy upon us. Pardon us and deliver us. May we walk it's a way, in, in a way, manner that hungers after you and hopes fully in your work. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. amen.